0: As I was preparing for Jason Pouliot's elder vows and reviewing what it is that we commit to do as elders, one vow in particular caught me, gave me pause, and I wonder how you heard and processed this part of his vows as well. I'll reread this part that, that grabbed hold of me. Do you promise to be zealous and faithful in promoting the truths of the gospel? and the purity and peace of the church, whatever persecution and opposition may arise to you on that account. Whatever persecution and opposition may arise to you on that account. Part and parcel of serving as a shepherd of God's people is being willing to endure difficulty, hardship, pain, and in fact, persecution for that work. Elders promise to lead God's people faithfully along the path of following their great shepherd, Jesus Christ. In this fallen world, we can count on trouble on that pathway of following Jesus. They persecuted him, and he tells us they're going to persecute us. John chapter 15. Elders promise to lead through it, and to help God's precious sheep navigate through it as well. Friends, following Jesus, living as a Christian, whether you're an elder, a deacon, or simply a church member, or somebody who's just begun to follow Jesus in recent days, it will involve persecution. The scriptures manage our expectations of what the Christian life is about and what we can expect is difficulty and heartache. It is what we sign up for. The Bible helps us manage our expectations over and over and over again. Repetition is a key teaching tool. Teachers do it. College professors do it. Parents do it. Why does the Bible repeat over and over again? We're gonna survey some of these passages, the reality of persecution, because we're being prepared for what lies ahead. Our passage this morning speaks very clearly about the difficulty that we can expect as Christians following Jesus in this fallen world. Let's open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. You can find Matthew 5 in the Bibles we provided on your seats on page 810, page 810. And this morning, we're continuing our sermon series in the Sermon on the Mounts. We began in a few weeks ago. The Sermon on the Mount begins with the Beatitudes, which is a, a summary or a synopsis, the cliff nose version of the entirety of the Sermon on the Mount, which covers Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. The Beatitudes are like the abstract or the summary that distills all that the Sermon on the Mount is about in a few short, pithy verses. And so we've broken the Beatitudes down into three digestible sermons or portions. This is our third and final week in the Beatitudes, and we will cover the eighth and final Beatitude. So I'm going to read verses 10 through 12 in Matthew chapter 5. And if you're here today and you need a copy of the scripture, we mention this all the time, you're welcome to have a free copy of the Bible in the lobby, the bookshelf closest to the restrooms. There are hardback black Bibles. Please take one. If a friend needs one, please take one for them as well. Matthew 5, verses 10 through 12. Jesus says, "'Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven.' For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, some important observations about this final beatitude. It is the longest beatitude. It is the only beatitude with an expanded explanation. The first seven are just the short, pithy, proverbial statements that you read like in the Proverbs. This one has an expansion or an interpretation by Jesus. It is the only beatitude with a command, and an odd one at that, given its content. Rejoice and be glad when you face persecution on my account. The only beatitude with a command. Disruptions in the pattern of Bible, Bible expositions and 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 verses when you see a disruption in a pattern the author is trying to draw your attention he's creating emphasis through a disruption in the pattern this certainly is a disruption in the pattern isn't it the only command there and it's expanded at the end Matthew is being very deliberate and very clear about one particular quality of the kingdom one particular pathway of the king that you will be led down at certain points in your life and that is persecution we mentioned the, the sermon on the mount is all about the ways of the king the ways of the jesus the ways of jesus the, the qualities of his kingdom and what you can expect at some point in your life is to go down a dark path of difficulty and suffering He's expanding on this. It is is a very important pathway in the king that some people depart when the heat is turned up and when persecution arises. It's a very important part of the pathway of following Jesus. One more observation. This is a bookend beatitude. The beatitudes begin and end in the same way. Notice the reward or the result of the first beatitude. Blessed are the poor in spirit, For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Number one, go to number eight. Blessed are those who who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The beatitudes are bookended by this great reward that is held up. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So it's a bookend beatitude. We mentioned beatitude number one is a gateway beatitude. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's the gateway. It's the entry point into the kingdom of heaven. Because only when you acknowledge and come to grips with your own poverty of spirit, you're spiritually bankrupt. You have no resources on your own to come into a saving relationship with Jesus and to deal with your sin. It's only by acknowledging that Jesus has it all, and you need to be rescued by him, supplied by him, that you actually enter the kingdom admitting your need. Not boasting in your abilities, admitting your need. I'm spiritually poor and I need Jesus to come and fill me. It's what gets you into the kingdom. And then this final beatitude is is a way to shut the back door. So the first beatitude gets you in and the final beatitude keeps you in. Because when the heat is turned up in your life, people are tempted to depart So this beatitude manages to shut the back door to keep you in there. It's managing your expectations, knowing what you're signing up for. There's heat coming when you follow Jesus. Don't let anybody tell you some false Christian message that if you follow Christ, your life is going to be peachy and it's always going to be easy. It is not. And far too many people fall away because they've bought into a false gospel. It's the parable of the sower. The seeds that fall Upon the shallow soil, when the sun comes out, the heat's turned up. What happens to those seeds in the shallow soil? They're scorched. The true gospel is that if you follow Jesus, it will cost you, it will cost you everything. But rejoice and be glad because you grow closer with Jesus and your reward is great in heaven. It's a bookend beatitude. The first gets you in the kingdom. The second one keeps you there. Following Jesus is hard in this life, but take heart, there is great blessing in it. We're going to unpack that blessing. I want to structure our time this morning in this final beatitude by offering three words of instruction, three words of instruction for this final beatitude. First, expect persecution as a Christian. Expect persecution as a Christian. My wife, in preparation for our first child, read the very popular, the very well-known What to Expect When You're Expecting. It has served countless, countless moms over the years because it just helps to manage their expectations, kind of outlines what they're about to endure. There is going to be great pain. It's going to be hard. Oh, but there's great blessing in it as well. And friends, the Bible does likewise for us as Christians. What to expect as a Christian. That's what the Bible does. And one thing that we see over and over again is the reality of persecution. It is going to be hard being a Christian. There's going to be pain in following Jesus, but take heart. It will cause great joy in your life as well. Expect persecution as a Christian. We see here in the final beatitude, we see... This reality that persecution comes. The heat is turned up. We see it here in Matthew 5. Let me just give you a sampling. And I encourage you just to write these references down, to memorize these right now. Just just write them down and reflect on them later this week. A sampling of the forecast of persecution in the Christian life. John chapter 15, verses 18 through 20. John 15, 18 through 20. If this world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. You're going to look different to the world, and you will face opposition as a result. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Another one, John chapter 16, verse 33. In this world, you will have tribulation. But take heart, Jesus says, I have overcome the world. John 16, verse 33. Luke then helps manage our expectations for what the Christian life is all about. Talking about Peter and the apostles in Acts chapter five. Peter and the apostles were beaten for proclaiming the name of Jesus. And how do they respond? Acts chapter five, verse 41 then Peter and the apostles left the presence of the council who just flogged them, and they rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name of Christ. They rejoiced in their persecution because they were counted worthy to suffer for Christ's sake. Paul now, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, 2 Timothy 3, verse 12, Paul says, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Paul again, Philippians chapter one, verse 29. Philippians 1, 29. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Notice what he says. It has been granted to you, that word is given as a gift to you, that you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Rejoice and be glad. It's a gift to you when you face persecution on account of following Jesus. And finally, 1 Peter chapter four, verses 12 through 16. 1 Peter four, 12 through 16. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's suffering, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory rests upon you. From Jesus to Luke to Paul to Peter, the Bible speaks of the reality of persecution for Christians. But what does this look like? Persecution comes in different shapes and sizes depending on your context and your cultural moment, your place in history. What is persecution? Simply put, What Jesus has in view here is being mistreated for your faith in Christ. Being mistreated for your following of Christ. Just simply put. His way is the way of righteousness. So when it says righteousness sake, it is for following his way. Living your life in conformity to his righteous way. What is good and right and upright. That's what righteousness is. So you're being persecuted, the heat is turned up in your life because you're following the good way, the right way, the righteous way of Jesus. And when we live like this, following in Christ's righteous footsteps, we will face trouble. Think through some circles in your life, and trouble in your family. Some of us were reared in Christian homes. Other of us, others of us were not reared in Christian homes. And so when you came to faith through perhaps a youth group that you were invited to or a campus ministry, and you came and you shared that newfound faith with your folks or your siblings, it was not welcomed. And there are multiple kinds of opposition that we can face. Ed Welch talks about two kinds of anger. He talks about hot anger and cold anger. So certainly when you you share your faith with some family member that you love and they, they, they receive it with hot anger, they don't want to hear it, they verbally attack you, they demean you, there's also a cold anger. They withdraw from you, give you the cold shoulder. There's distance now in your relationship with your loved one as a result of your newfound faith in Christ. It's opposition, mistreatment for your faith in Christ at work. As you engage faithfully, uphold integrity and honesty, and as you have the opportunity to share the gospel with people that you, that you build relationships in a workplace, you can face opposition. You can be overlooked in promotions. You can be ostracized. You can be gossiped about. What does it look like for you? How have you faced difficulty in your own work setting because of your faith in Christ? In your neighborhood, as you engage people, invite them to a block party, Go and knock on a neighbor's door and, and, and build a friendship with them, invite them into your home. Oftentimes, our deeds can be totally misunderstood by the very people we're trying to build relationships with and share the gospel with. Marginalized, excluded. It happens in our workplaces, in our families, in our neighborhoods, at school. Allow me to speak to some young folks in, this, in the room. We, we have all of our children from elementary and up here in this room. Young friends, it's going to be hard to follow Jesus in your school setting. If the Lord has you in a public school, it's going to be hard and awkward at times. You need to know that going in. But rejoice and be glad because your reward is great as you endure difficulty. Don't feel like you need to hide your faith. Don't feel like you need to gonna be two people, one at church, one in your home, and then a different person at school because you, you fear what somebody's gonna say about your faith in Christ. It's hard to be a Christian as a student when the vast majority of other students don't follow Jesus, to be made fun of, to sit alone at a lunch table perhaps. These are hard things, my young friends. But Jesus says, you can expect them, and I am with you. As you go through this, I would also say that as you try to engage other students with the gospel, it will be difficult, but one day, by God's grace, you're gonna be thanked. You're gonna be thanked. One of those seeds that you sow, by the power of God, germinates and sprouts up and produces fruit. I have a good friend, his name is Justin Best. Played football, played basketball with him. And when he was in 10th grade, something changed in Justin. He started going to church on a regular basis. He started opening his Bible and studying it, like, on Wednesday nights, in the mornings. He he and I were very close. I grew up in church, but I tell you, I wasn't following Jesus throughout the week. It was not a, a massive priority in my heart. My parents are here. They can attest to some of this. And Justin in trigonometry class would just share with me. He'd come with his homework half done and I'd make fun of him He's, because he had church the night before and didn't get time to do his homework. Now you need to do, manage your time better than that. And I'm not saying, but there are times when your commitments, you're gonna be constrained and he he, he come, yeah, I was, I was at church and I, and I, I made fun of him because he came in with his trigonometry half done. But he just kept sharing with me, kept sharing with me. And after my sophomore year, when I came to understand the fullness of the gospel and what it meant to truly follow Jesus and to give your life all to him, you know what I did? I went right to Justin face-to-face and I thanked him for witnessing to me all those years because he laid seeds in my heart that needed to grow in Germany, and they did one day. So my young friends, in class, don't be afraid to just throw a seed here. Throw a seed. You're gonna be thanked one day when someone comes to faith because of your kind witness, you're gonna be thanked one day. Persevere, persevere in the work. Expect persecution as a Christian. For some of us whom God calls to go among the nations and to serve, in that context, it could mean harm to your physical body, and yes, even death in that setting. It's happened countless times throughout Christian history. Persecution comes in different sizes and different shapes depending on your context and cultural moment. Expect persecution as a Christian. Secondly, know the difference between persecution and punishment. Know the difference between persecution and punishment. One of my favorite preachers is a man named H.B. Charles. He pastors in Jacksonville, Florida, and he says this makes this distinction. There's a difference between bearing your cross and reaping your crop. There's a difference between bearing your cross and reaping your crop. Suffering for righteousness sake, doing what is right, doing what is good, will come with suffering. You're going to bear a cross through that. But that is different from reaping your crop when you've handled yourself as a Christian in an insensitive, unwise, hateful kind of way. Don't blame Jesus when you face difficulty because of your bad behavior. There's a difference between bearing your cross and reaping your crop. Peter speaks about this in First Peter chapter 4. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, as a thief, or an evildoer, or as a meddler. There are difficulties that come upon our lives because of our bad behavior, our foolishness. And he lists several of them. Some Christians are meddling in the affairs of others and they face opposition as a result of that. Don't meddle, don't be unkind, don't be hateful. Friends, it's not a blessing to suffer for self-righteousness sake. Watch your tone, don't be smug and proud and boastful and obnoxious as a Christian. Be kind, tender, sensitive, listen well, be courageous certainly but don't be self-righteous. It's not a blessing to to suffer for self-righteousness' sake. And Jesus has righteousness in view here. His character, his will, conformity to his way. H.B. Charles continues to draw this distinction. He says, persecution comes from the hands of evil men when we do good. Punishment comes from the hands of good men when we do evil. There's a difference between persecution and punishment. Punishment. There's a difference between bearing your cross and reaping your crop. Can I ask you, what are you currently facing heat for in your Christian life? What are you currently facing opposition for in your Christian life? Is it fundamentally about the gospel of Jesus Christ, his saving message, his way, his truth? Or, are you facing opposition because of your tone, your insensitivity, your foolishness? Ask yourself, why am I facing opposition right now? Work hard to tease it out. There's a difference between bearing your cross and reaping your crop. Brothers and sisters, be sure to suffer for the right reason. Be sure to suffer for the right reason. Expect persecution as a Christian. Know the difference between persecution and punishment. Thirdly and finally, rejoice and be glad when you are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Rejoice and be glad when you are persecuted for righteousness' sake. The only command in the Beatitudes, and it is an odd one at that. Entirely counterintuitive, entirely countercultural. Rejoice and be glad. When persecution is heaped up on your head, why rejoice? Because Jesus says your reward is great in heaven. Friends, God will never forget your faithful service in this life on his behalf when you see him face to face in heaven. Not one good deed, not one enduring work of difficulty is going to go unnoticed and forgotten by him. He will put crown of commendation and blessing on your head one day, and I don't pretend to know what all that's going to look like. All I know is there's reward in heaven for those who live well now and serve him now. There's reward coming in heaven. Crown of righteousness, blessing, being commended by your king, it's coming. There's reward that is coming. Rejoice and be glad, why? Because great is your reward in heaven, And also, because you're in good company. You're in good company. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You fall in line with many who've suffered for righteousness' sake. Old and New Testaments. I mentioned earlier in Acts chapter 5, Luke describes Peter and the apostles being beaten for proclaiming the name of Jesus. They left the presence of the council who whipped them Rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer suffer dishonor for the name of Christ. They counted themselves blessed because they got to walk in the footsteps of their Savior, Jesus Christ, and of those who followed him. Philippians chapter 1, verse 29. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Persecution is a gift that is granted, given to us by the Lord himself. Closeness, closeness with Jesus is what happens when we suffer for righteousness' sake. We're in good company. And the best company is his company. 1 Peter chapter 4, beloved, don't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's suffering. Jesus draws near to those who suffer for his sake. There's an identification, there's a sympathy, there's a union that happens when we suffer for his sake and face persecution for following him and his righteousness. You draw near to the tender heart of Jesus. You're united with him, it's the the best blessing in this life and in the next one is closeness with Jesus. We here in this life, see through a glass dimly, but in the next life, we will see him as he is face to face. But as you experience difficulty in this life, there's a blessing, you're in good company. A long line of sufferers, and ultimately Jesus himself, the ultimate sufferer. You're in good company. Three instructions for the final beatitude. Expect persecution as a Christian. Know the difference between persecution and punishment. And then finally, rejoice and be glad when you are persecuted for righteousness' sake. My heart has been encouraged oftentimes by reading church history. It's amazing when you dig into long-forgotten things in history, how encouraged your heart can be as a Christian, because there's nothing new under the sun. And we read about our brothers and sisters of the past and the experiences that they had. We're encouraged in our own moment in this life, following Jesus. I want to share with you just a, a brief story of, of a man, a pastor named Polycarp. He died in 155 A.D. He came under fire, literally burned at the stake for his faith in Jesus Christ. He served a, as the bishop of Smyrna, which is in modern-day Turkey, a city called Izmir. He was a, a bishop of Smyrna. You can read about this, the church in Smyrna in chapters 2 and 3 of Revelation had a deep faith in Jesus Christ loved Jesus with all his heart and he happened to live in a cultural moment when heat was being turned up by the Roman government on Christians flogging them feeding them to lions nailing them to crosses burning them at the stake and all they would they would, they would ask Christians listen you just have to say one sentence and we'll leave you alone just say Lord Caesar, just say Lord Caesar, innocent enough. But for a Christian like Polycarp, he only had one Lord, Lord Jesus. He would not bow the knee to Caesar. He would not worship the gods of the Romans. He had one Lord, Lord Jesus. And they just said, just say, just say all the pressures turned off. Just say Lord, Lord Caesar. And his response was this. As an 85-year-old man, he says, my Lord has been with me for all these years. How can I now, as an old man, deny my king who saved me? How can I, after all these years, deny my king who's been with me, who's saved me, who's been there for me all along? And he was promptly marched into the Colosseum where many Christians were persecuted and killed. He was burned at the stake for his faith but it was his intimate relationship with Jesus Christ that was not worth forfeiting for the comforts and the conveniences and the pleasures of this world. In the end, we have to decide whose opinion are we seeking? Whose approval are we seeking? Who do we value most? And in that moment, Polycarp valued the Lord Jesus Christ, his opinion, most and was unwilling to forfeit his faith and say, Lord Caesar. Jesus Christ is better. He's better than the comforts and the pleasures and the conveniences of this world. And it is your tender relationship with him that guards you in the hour of temptation when you're faced with forfeiting your own faith. Let Jesus Christ love you and capture your heart and stir you to love him back because that is what is our guard. It's that intimate relationship with him, walking with him, trusting in him that serves as a guard in the hour of persecution. As we consider the the weighty reality of persecution in the Christian life, we have to see our persecution in view of Jesus Christ's, because he was persecuted for us He endured the worst of persecution so that we could be forgiven of our sins. And this morning, we have an opportunity to to remember that and to celebrate that in a particular way as we partake in the Lord's Supper. We reflect on, we we, we remember the breaking of his body, the shedding of his blood, the persecution that he endured in our place for our salvation so that we could be forgiven of our sins. And so if you are a Christian, if you've come to trust in Christ as Lord and Savior, we want you to partake with us. In a moment, you have a chance. If you've not gotten your communion cups, you can get those in the lobby. But if you are a believer, we want you to, to partake with us. If you've not yet come to the point of trusting in Christ, we ask that you just abstain. And you engage in some dialogue with, with a person who maybe brought you here or with one of the elders here. One of the members just what what the Christian faith looks like, what the gospel is, that you would come to trust in him and celebrate the Lord's Supper at our next opportunity. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to engage in celebrating the Lord's Supper. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for the chance to open and to explore your word. Father, we pray that you would sustain us in the midst of the heat that we endure in this life, in our workplaces, in our families, in our neighborhoods, because we follow you. God, give us courage and strength to walk with you in faith and in obedience. Bind us close to you. Father, when we're tempted to to compromise and to to depart, we pray that you would keep us close to your heart. God, help us to very carefully think about our own lives, our behaviors, the the things that perhaps we do, our own sin that results in, in pushback and opposition. God, help us to repent of those, na- those ways and not chalk them up as we're being persecuted for righteousness' sake. Help us to think clair- carefully and take inventory of our lives and of our hearts. Father, I thank you for a chance that we have to celebrate the Lord's Supper. Would you endear us to you and to one another as we celebrate this meal? In Jesus' name, amen.